0: Hi everybody, welcome to back, back to Budget Worship. My name is Rob. Uh, we're here really to talk about something that's near and dear to some and it's an absolute enemy to others, and that's multitracks. Uh, the reason for multitracks is because when you have uh, so many of these praise and worship songs that have... They have 19 different guitar parts. They've got a full, uh, orchestra in the original recordings. And you want your, you want your small praise team to be able to have that same sound. Uh, what you do is you, you get these multi tracks and you play them along with your, along with your team, uh, while y'all are leading worship. And you do it live and it really fills out the sound. Also, another, uh, another aspect that it really covers is if you have musicians that are out last minute, you weren't able to get a replacement, uh, like say you didn't have a drummer and, with the song list that you really had set up really doesn't, doesn't um, work well with an acoustic set, then you can just play the drums from the multitracks. And there's a couple of upsides and a couple of real downsides to them. Uh, the main upside being it really, it really tightens up your sound, especially the fact that in order to run them, you're going to have to have a click track going with it so that everybody can stay with the recording. And that causes, that causes a tighter sound that causes the musicians to work together, uh, and be more in time with each other than, than happens without it. The downside is, is it does really become a crutch effect. Uh, people become a little bit too reliant on them and, uh, there's a, an article on Babylon B where it's it's satire of course, but it was talking about how the church's worship team had been replaced by the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics and nobody noticed. Um, and as, as funny as that is, that also does, it really does become an issue when you have to have the tracks in order to run. Uh, so there's there's upsides and there's downsides. Uh, that's speaking to it from a musician's point of view. Also, another thing that you may have noticed was you heard the click track. Now, because of the way we're recording, we're recording with multiple cameras, and in order to keep uh, the amount of technical... Uh, hookups down to a bare minimum. We're actually running the sound through the mains here uh, at this church that we're that we're filming at, and you normally wouldn't hear the click track or the cues in the, uh, in the mains. That's usually reserved for the in-ear monitors. But just because of how we're recording, instead of using the in-ear monitors, we just ran it through the mains just for simplicity's sake. I just wanted to make that quick note. Um, the other downside to it is in order to make it work, you have to run in-ear monitors. The problem is a lot of people, especially especially in more traditional churches, there's gonna be a lot of pushback from, from for running in-air monitors. Um, people have various different reasons why they don't like them. Uh, me personally, I love them. Uh, I would use them absolutely everywhere I could. Um, but that is just something that you've got to keep an eye on, or you're going to have to watch out for. Is you're going to get a little bit of pushback, especially if you have musicians that aren't really seasoned with working with a click, and that's going to be another big issue. Um, if you have musicians that don't necessarily have that great of a sense of time, they're not, they don't have a built-in metronome within themselves, then they're going to they're going to get distracted by the click. So it's really something that you don't want to jump into. Um, Right off the bat, you definitely want to slowly integrate it. And you, anytime you make a change like this, you want to make sure that first off, you're praying over it. Uh, you're making sure that you're, you're doing this change for the right reasons. And you're making sure that it's actually going to be worth what you're going to put your worship team through. Um, that being said, once you get to the other side of that, uh, the, difference, the difference is it's really noticeable. Um, it does help a lot. It fills out sound in it, and it definitely, it makes your musicians work together better. So I really, I look at it as a positive thing, uh, but you are going to have some people that aren't going to like it. You're going to have some pushback, so it's just something to to really keep an eye out. Make sure that you really want to be running tracks before you even try to integrate them. And most of all, take your time. Uh, Whenever you're setting something like this up, make sure that these changes are very, very gradual. Otherwise, you're going to get even more pushback. You're going to have people get frustrated. You want to make sure that they get introduced to it, you know, just a little bit at a time. And that's really going to help out. And that's speaking to it from a musician's point of view. Now, we've got Matt over here, and Matt's going to speak to it more from the sound tech point of view.
1: Thanks, Rob. For those of you wondering why I swapped the camera during the middle, I had a really well-placed joke, but apparently didn't make it in time. Uh, <laughs> so I am in the back at the booth. I'm uh, going to flip the shot real quick. So this is one of the shots you saw. This is our Behringer X32. Rob is on stage, clearly. Uh, this was a shot just to showcase that the multi tracks are in a live environment. He was playing along with them. We weren't doing any video trickery. Uh, the only thing we did, as he said, is we pulled the... Um, we pulled the uh, click track into the mains, the cues, that kind of thing. But other than that, this was a straight up uh, multi-track that Rob himself made. Um, that will actually be a different episode. We'll dive deeper into that on the process he used to do that. Um, for those of you wondering, uh, I'm gonna flip back to the other shot. Just uh, for those who care, I am actually running this, again, from the Logitech Mevo cam setup. So we're not doing anything crazy with OBS. This week. I was going to, but we ran into some plug-in issues. So I just wanted you to see that you can just throw together these episodes on the fly with certain technologies that are not terribly unaffordable. So that being said, I want to speak for just a minute on the multi-track perspective from the sound man's perspective. So multi-tracks, as he said, they do come with a lot of pros, they do come with a lot of cons. A lot of the cons are felt on the tech side but, uh, less than the musician side. So what I mean by that is um, a sound man typically has the instrumentation on the stage. But when you throw in a multitrack, you have a couple of ways you can implement it in your system. So I'm going to put this down real quick and I'm going to flip this view. Uh, keep talking into this one, but this is our X32. So as you can see, you got uh, 32 channels um, plus extras for auxiliaries and things like that. There is a way that you can actually map in your multi-tracks via USB to, um, some people use the loop community device, uh, you have to forgive me, it escaped my mind, but it's a patch rig or, or something like that. It's an eight channel patch bay that converts USB into XLR so that you can get it into your board. Well, I have through testing discovered that you can also export the same USB, theoretically unlimited tracks into an actual board that accepts it like the X32. So hypothetically speaking if Rob was up there leading worship on an acoustic guitar I could map all of the multitracks he created into each one of these channels uh left or right and then just add him on top of it and mix it myself versus him mixing it. So Rob I'm going to flip it back to your view for a second. Flip the uh iPad around and I want to show that to the viewers. So this is just your run-of-the-mill iPad. You don't need a cheap one. You need a you need an iPad Air or something newer. A Mini will struggle a little bit. But what we do is we use the Loop uh, Loop Community Prime app. This is a free app, and it uses the LoopCommunity.com website. Many of you may be familiar with it. So you can on the Loop Community website purchase multi tracks as community tracks or master tracks, um, or you can upload your own multi track. Now due to copyright issues, we chose to go the route of uploading our own because we don't have the rights to play this. It's not a worship service our CCLI doesn't cover it. So Rob graciously made a multi-track. It's not the a painless process to make a multi-track, so don't be thinking you can just jump in there and do it, but we will showcase how he did it. Um I've done it in the past and it's it's kind of painful, so I don't do it regularly, but it is a fun experience if you're just wanting to learn. Uh anyway, the The Loop Prime app is basically just a mixer in a software app so that you can mute and unmute each of the individual tracks. You can turn them up and down, you can pan them left and right. Um, You can basically do what a sound man would do with a real group of instrumentation on a board in an iPad app, and then the output either goes out through the headphone jack or the USB jack, in which case the sound man, and I'm gonna flip back to the view again, the sound man can now map it into a channel We had it mapped into these two channels. Um, We had it in the mains, obviously, that'll get reset. But that in a nutshell is how you implement it into your system. What I wanna talk for just a minute on is the gotchas from the sound man's perspective. All right, first and foremost, a multi-track setup, if you're gonna map it into the board channel per channel, you have to treat it like a band. You can't just bring it in and everything at wide open volumes, you have to mix it like it's a band and you've got a lead guitar that needs to be mixed away from another guitar, that kind of thing. So it's not just a plug and play setup. Number two, the really big issues come in when you talk about the click track. So I'm going to swap back for a second and forgive the lighting. We're we're using a lower lighting in the room uh, for effect number one. And number two, I'll just be honest, I forgot my light kit. So that's part of real world stuff. Um, So the other issue is the click track in the mains, the click track in the monitor. Obviously, you don't want it there. But the problem comes when it's in the ears. Number one, musicians get very um, reliant on a click track, and some musicians will even crank it up too loud in their ears. Well, as a sound technician, I'm very protective of my ears. I'm very protective of musicians' ears. I don't like it when I hear the click track so loud that I can hear it through a microphone on the stage. So there's some health issues associated with it. Um, the other problem is when you use a click, you have to use in-ear monitors or some kind of uh, in-ear headphone amp solution. And the problem with that is when you're using ears, in-ears, you have to mix it like you're a sound man. You can't just throw 32 channels into your ear and hope everything comes out okay. So if you look up at Rob, and I'm going to flip up to his, he currently has the multi-tracks rig. He has the in-ears run into our Behringer P16s. So from a sound man's perspective, this is great. He gets to control his own mix. Well, not every musician is, is comfortable mixing their own mix. They know they want to hear certain things, but they don't understand fundamental uh, audio, technical um, things. So they don't know that, okay, if I can't hear the acoustic guitar, I can mix it to the left a little bit and get everything else off. So what you end up with is now the sound man, a lot of times has to mix at the board, and at least to some extent, help mix on the stage as well. So that's a gotcha. Is it a a gotcha worth throwing in the towel and not using it? No, absolutely, but it does present headaches. So that's the overview of how a sound man's interaction with these multi-tracks can be. Now I will tell you this too, um, sound men sometimes struggle with sound people, sorry. It is an overly male-dominated profession, but there are sound women. Um, they struggle sometimes where a a bad multitrack can actually present more problems than not having one at all. Um, Rob probably found on his own while doing this, how you export the tracks and things like that dictate how loud it is in the multitrack system. So if you do it incorrectly, you may have one that's way down here. And then the next multitrack that they chose might be way up here. So there's, just like a sound man, there's mixing techniques and things like that. But... I'll just leave it at that. The bottom line of all this is you want to be very very thorough in how you evaluate multi-tracks, whether they're right for you. In my personal experience, i found that they're best for a single singer-songwriter trying to lead praise and worship with an acoustic or a keyboard and they don't really have the resources or the time to spin up entire praise and worship bands. So they can literally come in, have an iPad and play along with it and lead worship and have a perfectly awesome worship experience with that when you get into the bigger setups like for instance what you see here where you've got potentially five six seven people on stage god forbid you have a choir i won't even get into choirs but when you have that kind of thing multi-tracks become very problematic because now you have to make sure that everybody has the ability to hear what they need to hear and you have to keep things out of all the wedges the choir obviously can't have a click track can't have cues So they have to follow the lead worshiper, which is fine. That's the way it's supposed to be. But in practicality, it doesn't always work that cleanly. So that's the 30,000-foot view. Um, I do want to do a deeper dive in another episode with Rob, and like I said, let him show you the process end-to-end to to actually create a multitrack. You might want to look into that. He personally used Ableton. I've used Ableton. There are others. I use Cubase as well. You can use pretty much any DAW. And do it as long as you understand the fundamentals of click, cues, stems, things like that. But that's for another episode. Anyway, that's our view from the back. So I'm going to flip it
0: back over to Rob. Uh, Rob, what else you want to talk about? Uh, about The click, but we really didn't didn't dive too deep into the cues. And that's one of the most amazing things about running click and tracks. Um, If you are like most of the churches that I've ever served in, everybody has their own individual way of doing a song. Say, we want to do two bridges here. We want to do three bridges here, endless bridges. I mean, let's face it. This is praise and worship. We love bridges. Um, so really it's hard to keep everybody on track with that. If everybody is trying to go on memory on what they're going to do. So you really have two choices. You can either rely on hand signals, uh, to, tell your musicians when it's time to change to another part, um, but the best the best thing is drummers really lead the worship band, and, and what, I, what I mean when I say that is everybody falls on the drummer, or everybody looks to the drummer, and a, a good drummer is going to play in such a way that he is telling when it's time to change, uh, but if your musicians haven't worked together for that long, then they're probably not going to have that sense of that sense of feel for each other. Um, So if you have something like you have a cue that's telling you what part of the song you're going into, that definitely takes a lot of pressure off of everybody. Uh, It makes it a lot easier for everybody to stay together. And I think personally, I find that to be just as important as the click. Uh, The cues, especially when I go from playing at one church under one worship leader to another church under another worship leader, and then I turn around and go to where I'm the worship leader. It's, it's hard to keep track of each different way that the song is played. So if you can just take it over here, you say, have over here it highlights what part of the song you're in you can just add and subtract those right from this app and you can add additional uh, like say you wanted to repeat a bridge or you wanted to do it on the fly you can you can do that and that also allows you to not be stuck to what the original recording was you can really let the spirit lead you and and make changes on the fly and because it has cues as a part of it that really keeps everybody from getting lost so that's that's another thing that I really wanted to hit on real quick
1: What's up, everybody? <laughs> the joy of multicam. He hit on something, this is more music side, but I did want to hit on this because this is a very neat feature. And it, he was talking about it, but this uh, this multitrack key design did not import the way that the ones from Luke Community do. They have markers. So what I was gonna do real quick, we can't play it for copyright reasons, but uh, here, you've got a better angle on it. Hit add song. Just pick a song that's a legit song. It, it, wait till it refreshes real quick. Ah, oh, the joys of technology. Uh, 10,000 Reasons, yeah, that's it right there. Original, hit, hit original. Right below where it says original. So what he's doing, just so you know, is he's calling a song that we purchased through Loop Community Prime. So I'm going to flip the screen around. It's downloading. All right, there we go. So what you see, this is not a good example either. We there, There's others. But it pulled in their version of the song. This was one that we purchased from another site and uploaded but had this been a loop community mastered song, you would actually see color coded sections for the cues. So for instance, verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, chorus. So let's say you're in a service and the praise leader wants to do the chorus three times. You can very easily just long hold it, uh, move it over and put it where you want it and save an arrangement of that. So again, multitracks do bring a lot of value, um, but it's like anything you implement. It's training, it's it's a learning curve, It's Um, availability of people to be able to do it. If you put your stuff together an hour before service every week,
0: that's probably not your best solution, but I just wanted to hit on that real quick. And it would be a lot of thrown objects if you tried to do something like that last minute. That does require a lot of planning. And really, as as stewards of God's people, of leaders who are, are taking on the responsibility of leading God's people through worship that really requires more planning to begin with. So that, that really, it's, it is important to touch on. It does require a lot of prior planning. Uh, there's It's a lot of long hours to put together a set like that, but in the end, um, I'd love to show you at some point one of our worship sets and it would, really, it would really showcase how much it really brings the musicians together and how much it really, it really frees the worship leader and takes so much pressure off of the worship leader. The click track is most drummers' best friend, it really takes a lot of the pressure off of them uh, and it, it really helps. It's, it's a great option if you have the, the time to implement it properly.
1: I agree completely. Um, with that, I wanted to just kind of throw a, uh, uh, an ad, so to speak, for a future episode or two that we're going to do. Obviously, we've talked about the multi track creation process. That's a new one. One of the issues, or two of the issues tonight that we specifically dealt with, and we're uh, at night here when we made the video um, one, lighting. Okay, and number two is adaptability. I want to go into two different episodes about that. Um, the adaptability is multiple levels, it's gonna be, you have to be able to adapt for different needs, like this is a video content creation thing that we're doing, but if this was a live worship service, obviously the lighting and the the way we ran the multi-tracks and things would change drastically, so you have to adapt to each need. Okay, do we wanna live stream this? Do we wanna pre-record it? Do we wanna post-record it? Can we put multi-tracks online? Well, there's licensing and things, I'm not getting into that. The other episode is the lighting episode, So we're using spotlights that we use in our worship center. I'm not going to go into detail, but anyone who's ever shot video or done photography will tell you lighting is the worst thing you ever have to deal with. So I want to dig in on a future episode about lighting, and I'm going to use what we did here as a perfect example. The lighting for what is good up here did not work for the booth where I needed to shoot a video. Well, that's not necessarily a normal use case, so we'll we'll go in-depth on that and how you can adapt your lighting on the fly, that kind of things, and what type of lightings, what type of budget options you have. Uh, anyway, that's future episodes. I just want to talk about them for a second. Uh, I don't have anything else. Rob, you got anything else? No, no,
0: no. I think we covered it pretty well.
1: All right. Well, that is a very rough overview of Multitracks. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will go in-depth into, in into some other parts of it, but we just wanted to introduce you to the concepts. If you weren't already familiar, the tools that we use, that we love every day and hate every day, depending on how we do it and how we use them in our worship scenarios. Hopefully you get some value out of it. Find your own, find other tools. There are other ways to accomplish the same thing. Let us know, give us comments. We'll look into some other options as well.
0: And also if you have anything that you're wanting us to dive into that you're, you're curious about, you wanna know how we handle it or how uh, you could possibly handle some of these situations on a budget, just leave a comment or you can, or we'll leave our contact information where you can email us. Um, And we would be more than happy to to make special episodes based around what you need. Uh, The only way we can do that is if you let us know what you need though. And depending on how far away you are, we might actually do it on site. We're looking at more
1: options, we're trying to do multiple content types, uh, podcast, video podcast, video blogging, documentary series, we're going to do it in different formats. Different people like different things. We've got the blog on our website, which is budgetworship.com. Uh, you may just like an RSS feed blog. Well, we offer that. So let us know what you like. Um, don't let us know what you don't like. We don't care about that. Anyway. <laughs> we, we, we actually do care. No, we care. We just don't want to be beat up about it. Just welcome to the uh, social media world. Anyway, uh, we'll wrap it up at that. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good